Good morning, friends. My name is Richie Jackson, and I have the privilege of speaking with you this morning as we close out our series called The Jesus You Never Knew. We're not sure when you're going to be watching this, but tomorrow is Memorial Day. We want to pause and show gratitude for the brave patriots that gave their lives, that we might have the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know I take many of those freedoms for granted that we have in this country, but we want to stop and say thank you for all those that made those freedoms possible. So we're finishing up the series, The Jesus I Never Knew. We all have this idea of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, what he looked like 2,000 years ago. He slept through rough boat rides. He walked on water. Sometimes we wonder, did he speak with a thunderous voice when he delivered the Sermon on the Mount? Surely he was soft-spoken when he said to that adulterous woman, go and sin no more. We know he spoke of a radical life of love. He challenged each of us to look deep into ourselves and into his teachings. How are we supposed to love a world that oftentimes just feels unlovable? He told us to serve him by serving others. He told us that he would return, but didn't say when. But he did tell us to get to work. This morning, we're going to dig into this idea that Jesus referred to as the kingdom, God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a big concept. It's, it's heavenly, and yet Jesus claimed that it was at hand when he was speaking. So that it, it might be in the here and now, but also in the yet to come. The kingdom of God. A big idea. I mean, how can we truly appreciate God's kingdom? For me, it's on a clear night. No clouds in the sky. I look up and I see the moon shining and the stars popping. And I think about how small I am and how big He is. And it's humbling. It's a reminder that His kingdom is so much bigger and more important than the one that I'm trying to build. Maybe for you it's when you sit on the beach and you, you feel the, the sand. Maybe it's when you hear your grandkids laugh. Or maybe it's when you hear the, the band worshiping on a Sunday morning. That humble place in your mind that takes you straight to a kingdom mindset. I believe these moments are important. Mainly because our God is big. Real big. Beyond our comprehension. And yet Jesus was able to explain things to us in simple ways. The kingdom of God. What did Jesus say about it? This morning we're going to explore that. And as we do, I want us to think about the life that Jesus has for us here and now, the opportunities to experience His kingdom in the present while putting our hope in a heavenly place that He's preparing for us. Our big idea this morning is going to be simply this. To see the kingdom come, we love like the King. To see the kingdom come, we must love like the King. You see, we can't separate the King from His kingdom. So we aren't going to experience the kingdom and ignore the king. And Jesus is the king. I love prepping talks for you. They're awesome opportunities for me to think about what Jesus wants for my life. 
My challenge is then to live obediently to His will. And that's the challenge for all of us this morning. This morning, I hope that you will take something that you hear, something that you feel, something that you're thinking about, and I I wonder if you might be obedient to what Jesus puts on your heart. Will you surrender your will to His? The important questions that we're looking at here this morning are simply this. What's Jesus talking about when He speaks of this kingdom? When do we get to experience the kingdom? How do I get to experience the kingdom? Can I see it today or only when I die? These are good questions. But as we consider the Jesus that we never knew, I think too many of us simply think that, you know what, you'll get to experience the heavenly kingdom someday when I die, as if dying was the way to get in. But that's just not what I see when I read Jesus' words. Frankly, his words seem to suggest something quite the opposite. His words, while challenging, seem to suggest that we're supposed to do something in the here and the now about this kingdom that he speaks of. Let's start with this. Jesus taught his followers a prayer. And we find this prayer, it's the Lord's Prayer, it's in Matthew chapter 6. Tucked right there in verse 10, Jesus says this. Your kingdom come, speaking to his Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the rest of the prayer is obviously important, but I just want us to focus on that verse. Jesus is teaching us how to pray to his Father. He says, your kingdom, all right, and right after that he says, we want it to come. We want it to come here and now. How do we get that? Your will be done. The kingdom comes here and now as a byproduct of our Father's will. Where? On earth. You ask me like, you mean here? Yes, I mean like right here. You mean now? Like, yes, I mean like right now. Richie, how do we do that? Jesus told you, it's by doing the Father's will. But it says in heaven, Richie. Yes, God rules in heaven. But read the verse, it's right there. He wants his kingdom to rule here too just like it is in heaven, to do the Father's will. Let's start with something here. We need some building blocks. We need some building blocks. We need to choose the Father's will. And it's not just something that we say in a prayer that we maybe have said a thousand times. It's just not that simple. It's actually surrendering my will to His will. God's gift of free will is something that we need to understand. It has everything to do with God's pure appreciation for authentic love. How can love be real if it's pre-programmed? How can someone really show love if it's being done under pressure? To understand what love really is, we must understand that we have to give somebody the freedom to not love. And that is how we have fallen so far since the garden. The truth is this. We choose ourselves and our will, our selfishness, and that leads us towards sin. And that is the very sin that is breaking God's heart. It's very hard to give someone the freedom to choose the wrong thing. But it's that very freedom that makes the right choice. When they make that right choice, it's so rewarding. But there's good news. God loves us so much that He's willing to wipe away all of our selfishness and all of our sin when we choose to put our faith in Him and love Him of our own accord. So before we move on here, let's just take some necessary takeaways. Heaven is real, 
God's kingdom is rocking and rolling. God is in complete control in heaven. So the kingdom is in the future. But we can be privileged to experience His kingdom this side of heaven as well. How? By surrendering my will for His. Exchanging what I want for what He wants. It's there, at that point, that we get glimpses of heaven. We get glimpses of the kingdom. The glory and majesty of God's kingdom. So understand, the kingdom is very much in the future, but it's also here and now. Far too often, people worry about things they have no control over, and thus they waste their time, and frankly, much of their lives. Sometimes it's not that big of a deal. Will Bob and Sally, will they be mad if we choose the restaurant and they don't like their meal? Not that big of a deal. Maybe you're a little bit like me. Maybe you can't move forward unless you have complete knowledge of the outcome in a series of choices. You overthink things. I know it's crazy, but I keep doing it. I can't help it. But then you get real things like this. If I tell her, she'll get hurt. But if I don't tell her, She's never going to forgive me. You see, we've all been there. Life is tough, and it brings with us many tough choices. Wouldn't life just be smoother if we cared enough about Jesus and His Father's will to actually do what Jesus would do and not just wear a wristband? Maybe you're wearing a WWJD band. Good for you. I'm wearing a reminder band myself. I'm simply pointing out this important point. I'm a lot better at picking me than I am at loving others. What would Jesus do? It's a question that I wrestle with daily, mostly because it's a whole lot easier to do what Richie wants. You see, I'm a Richie expert. I know that life is just going to be better when I get what I want. But what if God asked me? What if God asked you? What if He asked us? Would you change your mind if I asked you to? What would you say? How would you answer the question? Would you just ignore the question? Would you run away from the questioner? What would you do? And your answer to this question, it's important. You see, you experiencing God's kingdom here on earth depends on your answer. Remember, we will only see the kingdom come by loving like the king. Not loving like me, loving like the king. So what will we do then? Will we use our free will to ignore Jesus or will we listen to him? We must answer this question. We have to have this answer. We're going to ask it again tomorrow and the next day and the next week. Honest followers of Jesus will tell you that this isn't just a daily question. It's often an hour by hour question. Reoccurring sometimes minute by minute. Because we choose ourselves, our comfort, our peace, our way, our path rather than the path that Jesus is laying. Many deeply devoted followers of Jesus will tell you that they've failed so many times, they eventually just say uncle and admit it. And only then do they surrender. And that's when they give Jesus the room in their lives to make a difference in the lives of others. Let me say it a different way. Jesus knows that you're a failure. He knows you've chosen everything but him. He knows the folly of your choices and he still loves you. He wants nothing more than to let you know how much He loves you. And He wants you to listen to Him and then go and do like Him. Because life will be a lot better, a lot better, 
if we do it the way Jesus is asking us, if we live like Jesus and not like us. The kingdom comes when we love like the king. So let's love like the king. Let's love like Jesus. And before we get into the heavy part of this morning's message, let's allow Jesus' words to encourage us. Because the challenge is going to be difficult if we're going to bring heaven and his kingdom down to earth. His promises and his words never fail. So three quick bits of Jesus. Jesus says, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14. This life of following Jesus, it's not going to be easy. And most people won't do it. But if you know this ahead of time, you're going to be better prepared. And in preparing his disciples for what was to come, Jesus says this. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. Know that whatever comes your way, Jesus has already defeated it. And just in case you're scared, just in case you're feeling anxious, in his talk about the the branches and the vine, Jesus says, I'm the vine, remain in me as I also remain in you. John chapter 15, verse 4. Stay connected to Jesus. It's the safest place you can be, and you'll never be alone. Remember, his words are promises that the difficult times will be worth the price. His word says not to fear. He's beaten death. He's overcome everything in this world. And most importantly, he's with you. He's never going to leave you. You see, he's going to stick with you as you're sticking with him. So how are we going to do it? Where's the manual? Enter Jesus in Matthew 25. Jesus is now explaining a, a future time When at his return, he'll be categorizing the people of this earth. Picking up in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, you look after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come and visit you? The king will reply, very truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me talking to those who he had prepared a place in a heavenly kingdom. These people, they saw the needs of others and they elevated those needs above their own wants. They lived sacrificially and they let their wants and desires go with complete knowledge that Jesus went first. He paid the price for my sin. He died for me, promised to stand with me as I try to love more like him and less like me. For these people, Jesus says, welcome 
to my kingdom. He spends the rest of the chapter telling the tough truth. That folks, in your vein, in your own selfish ways, you, you looked past me. You looked past the least of these. You looked into the mirror and you missed me. You missed those other people. You missed the chance to do what I made you to do, which is love. Now we're going to circle back on Matthew 25 in a little bit. But right now we're going to move over to Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus talks in the parable of the weeds. And he says in verse 24, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Stop right there. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like sowing of good seed. Friends, the greatest seed ever sown is the good news. God didn't let the comforts of heaven contain his love for you. He left it all for you and for me. That is good seed from our Father. His love for you, His willingness to wipe away your sin and prepare a place for you that you might just put your trust in Him. Friends, that is the good news from a good Father. But unfortunately, that's not where it ends. In verse 25, But while everyone was sleeping, His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burnt. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. That's some really important stuff right here. We've got to acknowledge the enemy has a different agenda than that of our good father. When did the enemy appear? He came while people were sleeping. When do you sleep? We sleep when we're run down, when we're exhausted from the endless attempts to keep up with the Joneses. We sleep when we're too comfortable. The mattresses of our lives are calling our names and we're all too willing to give up everything that Jesus wants, His call for our comforts. We sleep when it's dark. Is anyone else sensing that humanity's been under attack? We've been too busy to know it, too complacent or comfortable to call it out, too oblivious to even see it's happening. And it's getting darker and darker. Look around. Our world is sleeping. And the enemy of Jesus, which by the way is my enemy and yours, is destroying everything Jesus wants for us. The enemy is creating division and tension. Our enemy is sowing seeds of hate and lies. And far too often our response is, I'm tired. I'm going to go back to sleep. You see, our media is broken. Our government's broken. The people around us are broken. I'm broken. You're broken. And our enemy delights. Wake up. We cannot allow our enemy to ruin the good news. We can't allow him to say that this field has been ruined. The enemy wins. When you say someone else isn't worth it, the enemy wins when we give up. The enemy needs you and I to be divided. The enemy wants us to believe 
that everyone else is a weed. And worst of all, the enemy wants us to blame our good father who is the sower of the good seed instead of the enemy himself. See how that works? Look no further than what's happening in our country and in our world right now. The enemy is working at the, in the darkness of night. He disappears when the sun comes up. The enemy's greatest trick is convincing you that he was never there. The chaos of our world is not an accident right now. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6 when he reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities of this dark world. Saying otherwise is just trying to deny the real battle that we're witnessing. And I think Jesus is telling us it's time to wake up. You see, when I see these verses 29 and 30, Jesus is basically asked, Sir, there's a ton of weeds out in the field, and we can't tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds anymore. Should we just rip it up? And the answer is no. If you rip it up, you're going to rip up the good stuff too. At the right time, we're going to separate the weeds from the wheat. Folks, in the end, the weeds will be bundled and burnt. And the wheat will have a place in the barn. And this is the hard part. This is where these two stories of Matthew 25 and Matthew 13 come together. Jesus said, don't rip out the weeds. Now, I know that sounds crazy because you want to rip out the weeds from your gardens. But, but it's only crazy because, until we realize this one thing. That I was once a weed. And by the grace and mercy of Jesus, he changed me. And he showed me a new path. He used people like you. He used the family of White Oak Christian Church. And he did what only God can do. He used his supernatural, heavenly, miracle grow, pesticide ways. And he transformed me from weed to wheat. From bundle to be burned to I've made a place for you. This is the challenge of our time. And Jesus is asking you and I to participate. He's placing people in our midst and he's saying, show them me. And your obedience to that is what will lead people to Jesus and the kingdom. You see, what if Jesus were speaking the words of Matthew 25 today? Might it sound different? Might it sound a little something like this? Come to me, children of White Oak Christian Church. You who are blessed by my Father and take your inheritance, the kingdom of has been prepared for you. For when I voted for the other guy, you still spoke to me. My skin tone is different than yours, but you said we were still both children of God. I was scared and you sat with me. I had nothing and you shared your lunch with me. I grew up far from here, but you welcomed me into your friend group. I needed and you loved. I cried and you listened. I hated you for being something that you weren't and you forgave me. I despised people like you without knowing anything about them at all. And you showed me kindness. And the people of White Oak would ask, when did we do these things? You see, I, I believe Jesus would say, you did it for me when you loved the people of Miramar in India and the people in Coleraine, and the people in Ross, your work colleagues, and the neighbor across the street. You were ready to love those people while they were still sleeping, and you're ready to be a sounding board for those that are still groggy from a nap. While the enemy did his evil, you, 
the people of White Oak, you are the light of the world. You've got a place in my barn. It's safe. The kingdom for you is secure as the air you breathe right now because you wanted to see the kingdom so bad in the future that you lived to bring it here today. Someone watching today didn't know just how much Jesus loves them. Maybe they said silently to themselves, I'm just not the person that I want to be. And if that person is you, I want to invite you into a relationship with the real Jesus. Not the Jesus you've heard about, the Jesus you've never known. If you wait until you clean yourself up, then you're also going to try to take credit for some of the redemptive work that God's going to do. Don't wait. Come to Him just as you are. Maybe you've been following Jesus for many years. Here's my challenge to you. Where will you be when people wake up? Will you be a place of hospitality or will you further the divide? Whether you've accepted Jesus 30 years ago or you invited Him into your heart and into your life 30 seconds ago. The awareness of eternal life with Jesus that is undeserved that awareness should propel our love muscles into action. Jesus' request, His will, show your love and appreciation for Him by loving someone else. The White Oak family should be praying that when Jesus returns, His entire field will be wheat, ready to be placed in His barn. Once a weed, now wheat, be a part of the transformative story of a life with Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we love you and we humbly come to you knowing that we were once weeds and that you give us the ability to be called wheat, that you are preparing a place for us all you're asking in exchange is that we would just seek your will. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that. Help us to love other people the way that you loved us. You are our guide. Let us just follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close this morning with a song that reminds us that in order for us to see the kingdom, we need to love like our king. Because I know that I need to be more like Jesus and less like me.